You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. Oh, oh we're wow. here to talk to you about our book that we wrote, The Honest Art Dictionary. And today's episode we're doing in podcast form as well as video form. So you can find us on YouTube, recording a video via Zoom. And we just wanted to take a few minutes and tell you about this thing that we created, and also share some of our favorite passages. Each one of us chose our favorite passage by a different babe. So we, we just thought that would be a fun little thing to kind of introduce our creation to all of you listeners, viewers, art history, babes followers. So yeah, this is the book, The Honest Art Dictionary a jovial trip through art jargon. <laughs> Pretty. <laughs> jovial. Uh, so jovial. Always jovial. <laughs> if you and know us. It was jovial. Yeah, um, and we, we've been in the process of creating this thing for over a year now. Year and a half, I think. Yep. It's about right. Um, mm-hmm. And it came out September 1st, and the reception has been really wonderful so far. Does someone want to kind of give the people a rundown of of what the concept of the book is. I can give a rundown. Do you want me to give a rundown? Give a rundown. We're begging (laughs) for you to give a rundown, please. Thank you. I I had to be begged. So the art history babes wrote the Honest Art Dictionary, a jovial trip through art jargon. That word right there tips you off. Jargon, what is it? It's an annoying word that means... (laughs) that there's this sort of inaccessible vocabulary that is not for you. You must learn it. And that is what we wanted to dismantle with this book. Anyone who follows our podcast and listens to us or just likes art or listens to our podcast (laughs) knows that things can get a little bit convoluted, art language, it's almost like it's hard on purpose because it is. Mm-hmm. And we said that's some BS and we wanted to make it accessible. So think of the Honest Art Dictionary as an extension of the Art History Babes podcast because that is what we have always strived to do with our podcast is to talk about whatever the hell subject, art and murder, cubism. We want to tell you about it in a way that you can not only understand, but not feel condescended to. 
which is a big issue for some people when they think of art history. I love that for the examples, you jumped to murder. That was, that was good. <laughs> I murder on the mind, you know? Sure. It's spooky season. Oh, and can I point out that our book is a Virgo? Mm-hmm. I know. I oh, In my cute. dad's birthday card this year, I said that I was glad that my book shares his birthday month, which oh. I really just meant his astrological sign, but he wouldn't get yeah, that. Our book much. is right. a Virgo and our podcast is an Aries. That's fun. I like that, that energy. Fun. That's a good combo. Yeah, that's good energy. That's intense energy. It's big. <laughs> that's powerful just energy. like <laughs> those signs, they work well together because as we try to be perfect, we don't always explain every word we use in the podcast, usually out of just excitement and, you know, getting lost in our own thoughts. But now if we say something and you don't quite know what it means, there's a good chance we took the time to explain it in here. And that's kind of mm-hmm. cool too. Reference um, material. Yeah. yeah. And non-dry <laughs> reference material, ideally. It's not dry. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> personally, I think it's great. Yes, and I think that's an important thing to point out as well. Because not only accessibility, but also there's a lot of our personalities in this book. It is very much <laughs> full of our opinions, full of our thoughts. And that's made very clear from the beginning. It's informative, but our personalities, our individual personalities, and our collective personality definitely mm-hmm. shows through. And that was all, you know, part of the concept, part of the idea. We made so, sure we, of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we certainly we, did. Uh, defended <laughs> our voices with vigor. Thank you for an episode about that. Yes, we we're, we are going to do an episode down the line where we uh, go into the process of writing the book and into the nitty gritty, which will be fun. But for today, we just thought it'd be a fun little, uh, I need to stop saying fun. I say fun all the time. I'm really, it's not oh, a fun stop topic. It. In the title, it's okay. I say nice too much. I say <laughs> nice a lot, I'm realizing. I know, I, <laughs> I know, I'm just saying I need to expand my vocabulary to other words besides just I get that fun. vibe. Um, <laughs> but it is fun. This is fun. Is. I'm having fun. So we thought it would be a good idea to each one of us chose our favorite entry by another babe, and we're going to share it with you. So I'll start. I chose an entry by Ginny. And it is also a word that I just love. It's just such a solid word to work into your vocabulary. And that is catalyst. Oh, (laughs) forgot about that one. (laughs) I love this one because it it really tells a story. It really like paints a whole picture and I really appreciate that. So here we go. What does the word catalyst have to do with art? Well, a catalyst is a thing that can cause a change or reaction of some kind. Art can certainly be a catalyst. I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I watched the reality TV dating game show The Bachelorette this past season. It was on and I just got sucked in. (laughs) And there was a big emotional art as catalyst moment for The Bachelorette. She was in a museum waiting for one of her contestants and then contestants is crossed out and says, boyfriends do show up for their private date in a museum goals anyways she's looking at a painting of saint catherine who is reading the bible and holding a sword while men are off fighting in the distance behind her the bachelorette starts crying because she feels she can relate to the martyred saint 
and later sends her date home. Although this made me want to laugh and scream at the same time, <laughs> it's undeniable that the painting of St. Catherine was an emotional catalyst for the bachelorette. Very true. On a more serious note, art can be a catalyst for societal and political change. The Women's March on January 21st, 2017, saw millions of protesters in streets across the world wearing knitted pussy hats, visual markers of a demand for change. Artists making work that draws attention to global issues such as climate change are part of a call for action. Art is always tied to political movements, uprisings, demonstrations, and protests. All of these events are catalysts. The art world gets its fair share of disses from people in politics, people who don't seem to recognize art's role in political change or take it very seriously. But every major socio-political movement has involved art in some integral way, making art an absolute catalyst. Damn. Don't forget. <laughs> I love that one too. That's a good one. It is a good one because it go. It, I love the full breadth of like silly anecdote to actually this is like really important. Yeah, <laughs> and that nice definition. And now you, you can, can use the word catalyst in your daily life. You too can use so many catalyst. opportunities or to you use that word these days correctly. Yeah, <laughs> you know, an important thing to do as well. Yeah, I hear that word thrown around all the time, and I'm like, that's not. Mm -mm, that's not. <laughs> no, no, no. It's you should you buy a book. <laughs> no, yeah. Yes. Definitely. All right. I think Jenny's next. Sure. So I selected a entry from our one of a kind, can't be beat, Jen. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> For a second I thought you said can't be beat and now I'm I'm getting what you said but yeah. can't you can't beat her. You can't do you it. Can't. Don't try it. Marina <laughs> <laughs> Walter Mercado shirt by the way. Which yeah. uh, mucho amor. About camp. Oh, so good. We here. should we should do a hot takes on Walter Mercado. We should. Yes! <laughs> I'll stop. Aw. Save those here for the episode. <laughs> I will, I will. So I picked a word that we all have talked about a lot. We think about it a lot. And this, I remember when Jen first wrote this and how passionate she was about this entry. And it's with good reason because it's mwah, beautiful. Okay. Meme noun. Yeah. On the surface, memes, internet memes specifically, seem completely frivolous and mostly asinine. And don't get me wrong, they totally are. But there's so much more going on here, people. A meme is an idea, behavior, or style that spreads from person to person within a culture and conveys a theme or meaning. A meme acts as a unit for carrying a cultural idea, symbol, or practice that can be transmitted from one mind to another through writing, speech, gestures, rituals, or other imitable phenomena with a mimicked theme. The word meme was coined by British evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins and is a shortening of the ancient Greek word mimemi, mim, mimemi. <laughs> I always want to say things like they're Italian, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Meaning, <Okay>. imitated thing. <laughs> Dawkins posited that evolution depended not on the particular chemical basis of genetics, but only on the existence of a self-replicating unit of transmission, the gene, 
but she didn't think we were going to talk evolutionary biology in this entry, huh? <laughs> in terms of cultural evolution, Dawkins theorized that the meme exemplified another self-replicating unit with the potential to explain human behavior within the scope of cultural development. Phew, I am already winded. So, if the meme acts as a unit of cultural transmission, what do you suppose is the vehicle for this transmission? The kings of copycatting, humans. That's right, we evolved to be damn good at copying information and behavior. Monkey see, monkey do, remember? But we aren't perfect, so memes modify and change over time, creating new memes in the process. But wait, what about internet memes? I'm getting there, we love them. Internet memes are where we get to see this phenomena in action on a daily basis. Even if you've avoided social media like the plague, you have definitely seen an internet meme. Usually these feature an image or scene from pop culture that is instantly recognizable and is accompanied by some kind of humorous text. Said images are hugely exploitable, are easy to modify, change, and send off into the vast internet social network where they rapidly spread, change, and spread some more like a virus, hence go viral. Internet memes are not only fascinating, they are also art in all caps. We at the AHB believe that they have become the manifestations of some form of neo-dada. Memes are geared toward the absurd and the more absurd, the better. As seen in times of great uncertainty, we turn toward the absurd when we can no longer make sense of the world. We are currently in such a time in human history. So next time you see a funny meme, Recognize it as the art that it is and send it to your friends because we all need a good laugh while we watch the world burn. <laughs> it's Those like, words hit so much harder now. <laughs> Woo! Oh boy. <laughs> it's you guys, parts. she wrote that not in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you'll notice that that's long as hell. Yes. And but it needed to be. It right. needs to be. Every single word in this entry is absolutely necessary. And I needed to fight for it to be long. But that being said, I'm scared because I wrote that in November and I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> no clue. No. no way to know. No way to know. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That was great. Thank you for reading that very long entry that I forced into our book. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a good entry. It's such a good blend of humor and information and kind of setting it in its like very important role in like cultural studies and hitting on a lot of like poignant kind of feelings of anxiety that we have, you know? So mm -hmm. it's a good one. I saw a really good meme tweet something recently that was talking about like the different forms of art and it was like it was like theater is art that's by poor people for rich people opera is by rich people for rich mm -hmm. people and then it was like memes by poor people for poor people <laughs> I was like yes <laughs> I saw that one too that was good yeah <laughs> all right Jen what oh, do you got my god okay I don't think that this is going to come as a surprise to anybody, but I chose an entry by Natalie that heavily featured a very important toy that is important to me and many people who are going to watch this video. 
which was <laughs> didn't even occur to me and I'm so glad you picked this one <laughs> which is miniature I love small stuff you do oh my god I love <laughs> so I'm gonna read it as a child who grew up playing with Polly Pockets, Hit Clips, and Hot Wheels, we 90s kids survived so many choking hazards. It's true. I fully understand the appeal of a good miniature. Making an object that's otherwise ordinary, mini, has become a staple in our current culture. And the term miniature has come to encompass anything made smaller than normal. Just think about it. Mini soda cans, mini muffins, sliders, Clearly, I'm hungry. We're kind of obsessed with making things mini. In art history terms, miniature usually refers to one of two separate painting styles. The first began in 13th century Persia and the second originated in 16th century Europe. Both traditions stemmed from illuminated manuscripts. The paintings ranged roughly between one and 10 inches or three and 25 centimeters tall for our the rest of the world, listeners, um, and we're valued for portability. I just inserted that because that was just. I mean, no, that was great. I, I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> that was brilliant. Um, Persian artists learned to paint at miniature painting schools, where each school taught its own unique style of painting. And by this, I do not mean a painting school for ants, but a school that taught the miniature painting tradition. In Western traditions, these paintings were generally portraits that would represent allegiances. These miniatures could be carried in a special case or even worn in a pendant around the neck. So by this logic, I was saying more than I intended by wearing that Polly Pocket pendant as a child. <laughs> It's so good. Polly wait, Pocket. Wait, wait, uh, wait. It's coming. I'm so excited. Oh, oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Dude. Oh, my God. For anyone who was not alive in the 90s to experience this extreme choking hazard, look at this toy that we yeah. used to play with. Oh, I <laughs> we were so small. Memories. Me too. I love loved them it. so much. <laughs> <laughs> She's begging to be swallowed. You right in that (laughs) moment. Right in that moment, you reminded me of that scene from Parks and Rec where Leslie's drunk and she's like, What is this? Is that at the snake hole lounge? (laughs) No, it's a different one. But she just like gets into the screen. She's like, What is that? And she has just like a little miniature. Like thing, like person. I don't even know. I don't Probably know. Polly Pocket. Probably Pocket. What is it? I don't know. I'm gonna splice it into the video. That scene. Oh, right perfect. You should. <laughs> and then we should Google what is it. I guarantee there's like a whole thread about people like trying to guess what it is. Oh, oh no, definitely. <laughs> For sure. I've done that more than once and like gone down rabbit holes. Sometimes you get great information. Sometimes everyone's like pulling their hair out. <laughs> I love mm. it so much. Anything that mentions Polly Pocket, I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> Glad. Glad to do that for you, Jen. I'm sure there are also, like, plenty of people out there that are, like, Polly Pocket connoisseurs that, like, still like them and, like, right? have massive, you know, 
I wonder if they're, I wonder how expensive they are now. I wonder. Okay, so I'll tell you because they're, <laughs> they're expensive. Yeah, they're, I yeah. figured, I figured. I, I, I don't even, I don't even want to talk about it, actually. <laughs> I was really, I put all of my, uh, my eggs into the Beanie Babies basket and mm. I don't think they're worth it. Are they worth anything? Yeah. See, I, I went wrong. Some, some, like if you have like certain very rare ones, I think they like are. Like with the little tag covers on the ears. It's Princess Diana one with like a little rose and it's. Are you talking about that because of the Broad City episode? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Should we should we get back to our book? Yes, book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So like the uh typical last person ordering at a restaurant, I was like between two and couldn't decide. And I'm gonna go with the longer one because everyone else went with a long one and I don't want to be left out. <laughs> <laughs> so I chose from our dear dear Corey. And I chose intertextuality, which is a noun, and which I want to be acknowledged as brave for choosing just because that word alone is hard to say after a beer. So, starts with, damn it, this is why I shouldn't have picked this one. (laughs) Now I have to sing. No going back. No going back. You did it. (laughs) Can you sing it? Can you sing it? You can sing it. You can sing it. (laughs) You can sing it. (laughs) Let's talk about text, baby. Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. You can Mm -hmm. sing the rest in your head. Intertextuality is a literary device wherein an author uses another text to shape their own text meaning. The most obvious and intentional forms of this practice include the use of quotes, allusion, translation, or parody. One text uses another previous text in order to create a connection, which then affects the audience's understanding of that text. Literature and visual art operate in similar ways. They're both methods of sharing ideas and telling stories, and they often interact with one another. So it's fitting that the term intertextuality made its way into the art world. A straightforward example of intertextuality in art is the widespread parody of graphic artist Shepard Fairey's 2008 Hope poster designed for the presidential campaign of Barack Obama. The iconic poster depicts a stylized portrait of Obama rendered in blue, red, and beige. The word hope is written across the bottom. Other artists have parodied the poster endlessly, using portraits of such varied characters as Batman's the Joker, Mr. Peanut Butter from Bojack Horseman, love that example, the adult animation series, and former President George W. Bush. Barry's original image is undeniably powerful and intrinsically political, any parody of the image is automatically working with the work's original context to create a new meaning, it's intertextual. In the last half century or so, the term intertextuality has broadened in meaning to describe the ways in which the whole of culture interacts, be it text, art, music, theater, or cultural tradition. It is a massively important concept in the postmodern world. This is because postmodernism brought to light the idea that nothing is created in a vacuum and nothing is truly original. All art interacts and stems from that which came before it. Intertextuality is also becoming an increasingly popular term in academic circles, especially because interdisciplinary studies are so hot right now, and interaction of different disciplines involves the interaction of text baby. Yeah. It's a goodie, man. I was just using the term, like, not in a vacuum today. And anything that brings up that nothing happens in a vacuum 
Has not the vacuum. We're not in a vacuum. <laughs> no one, no one. Who have you ever seen in a vacuum? I've never seen anyone in a vacuum. <laughs> Me either. Never. Not once. Stop in my it. 27 years. <laughs> Stop, Stop it. it. No. <laughs> oh, all right. So yeah, that that was that was fun. I liked doing that. What a fun. I, I know. We should read our book to each other when <laughs> we are together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before bed. Seriously. Before, yeah. like, once upon a time. Until we all fall asleep. (laughs) Oh, I love it. So yeah, hope you all enjoyed either listening to that or watching us on the YouTube. If you haven't yet, check out our book. It's available all sorts of places. There will be a link in the description below for you so you can get your own copy. For all of those who already have it, thank you so much for your support. Thank you. We really appreciate it. This has been such a wild thing for us to experience especially right now in 2020 and having your support means everything also if you have gotten it and you feel some type of way about it consider writing us a review on amazon or goodreads that would be awesome of you yes and Um, quick shout out to our illustrator carmen casado mm -hmm. yes did some awesome illustrations maybe we could do a follow-up video where we each choose our favorite print and talk about it and then read i was just gonna say i think jenny is holding up my favorite one right now i love that one (gasps) that's so good that's such i totally agree didn't we talk about how this reminds us of uh that duchamp piece so it technically, um, I don't know, maybe I said that to someone else. <laughs> so you could add another term maybe in there. It was- It's also slightly Duchampian. <laughs> all right. So yeah, thank you. Thank you all. And uh, check, check it out. The Honest Star Dictionary. Love you. Peace. Bye. What is that happening? What do you mean? Opposite. No, it's, no, no Every, it's, it's Yours all look normal and mine looks backwards to me. Yeah, it's fine, I Jen. love you so much. <laughs> it's fine. The art history makes. Hello all, Corey again. If you want to become a patron and help make the continued production of Art History Babes content possible, as well as become part of the Art History Babes special community, head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes. There's also a link in the show notes for you. Also, we're doing a giveaway in honor of the Patreon relaunch. You can be entered to win a goodie box, including a copy of our book, The Honest Art Dictionary, Art History Babe stickers, chocolate, a candle, these cute little art cards that Natalie has. Check our Patreon or our Instagram for pictures, but they're really fun. To be entered to win, become a patron. Every dollar pledged is an entry. So for example, if you become a patron at the $3 level, $3 equals three entries. If you're already a patron, you just have to up your donation amount for entries. So if you are currently at the $1 amount, up it to $5, and you get four entries in the giveaway. This giveaway will run all of October, and we will choose the winner on November 1st. Thanks again for listening and for your continued support. We're really excited to share all the new things we have in store with you. Bye!
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.